Welcome back to Thirst Responder, episode eight. In today's episode, we are talking with Kyle, who has been working in the spirits side of the industry with distribution for a little bit now. Um, Kyle, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Welcome right. to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, so first off, I, I want to start out with, I usually like to you know, dive into like the origin story. Uh, I know that you're in the spirit side of things. You always have this, he has this magic backpack, this fun backpack that just has all these goodies in it. Uh, and that's what makes my Thursdays, you know, so non-memorable, memorable. <laughs> memorable. <laughs> um, but anyway, so how long have you been working in the spirits with, uh, with TJ Sheehan? Uh, spirits with TJ Sheehan, just over a year now. Okay, and were you in the industry prior to that? Uh, I was with Sheehan doing the beer side of things for the last three years. So four years altogether. Oh, so just just the year in Correct. Okay, got it. And then so where did you where did you start out? Like what'd you do before this? Uh before Sheehan, I was actually a chef. You were you were you were a chef? I was a chef. Like like a like, like a chef. Like a chef chef. Like not like so, you were not just prepping plates, you were cooking food. Cooking food. Um, How'd you get into that? Did you go to school for culinary? I did. I actually went to the Culinary Institute of America, which is in Hyde Park, New York. Really? Really. Th wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yes. Yeah, so it's like the, considered like, you know, the best culinary school in the country. <laughs> oh, that's all. That's all. That's no big deal. It's like, where'd you go to college? I went to Harvard. It's the, really they big. call it the Harvard of cooking schools. <laughs> that's amazing. So, um, you, so you went there and then you got your, a job afterwards as a chef. Well, you, you work your way up in kitchens. What, um, okay, so this is wild. What did, uh, like, what, did you specialize in? N nothing. Anything specific? Like no, what? No, no, like, specific cuisine, okay. per se. Uh, mostly high-end fine dining restaurants. Uh, okay. So moved from college, graduated from college, and then moved to Chicago. So you're talking, so, you, like, you're, you're whipping up, like, high-end buffalo chicken wing dip? A hundred percent. Um, so fine dining restaurants, I mean, so are you also involved in plating? Yes. Wow. <clears throat> and did you, so you have a big knowledge of obviously culinary food. Yep. And now four years within beer and, and spirits, uh, how long were you, did you work as a chef for? So Sheehan would be my first non-cooking job I've ever had in my life. Really? Really. And you just, you've always loved cooking. Always loved cooking. Always clearly loved eating. Um, what, uh, what is your favorite dish to cook? Oh, I love that question. That's, that's the best question. Is it? Um, Does it depend on the day? It depends on the day. Uh, that's a really good question. What's, what's a really hard dish to cook? Is it like, like souffle? Souffle is definitely de very difficult. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it just, it's all about techniques. So something favorite that I like to cook, honestly, right now, uh, braising things, you know, get some short ribs, cook them low and slow in the oven with some red wine. What is braising? Mean? Braising means you sear it first. Okay. And, and why do you want to do that? Uh, it creates a Maillard reaction. Here, we're going to get real nerdy. You want to get real nerdy? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> let's do this. All right. So browning the meat just adds flavor. People say it locks in the juices. False. Okay. It does not. It just adds flavor. So I saw I saw a um, a Netflix documentary mm -hmm. where uh, there was like four episodes and they were talking about when you marinate or when you salt meat like you want to do that for a few days, depending on the size of the meat and the application. Are you used to dealing with big meat? <laughs> Only the biggest. Easy. You got to take a sip of the beard out. <laughs> 
trying to warm you up here a little bit. Um, so braising the meat. Okay. What about appetizers? Are you like, like the, what's a high-end restaurant salad look like? Obviously, there are salad forks from what I am told. <laughs> there are salad forks. There are soup spoons, too. There are soup spoons. <laughs> yes. What are the other kinds of spoons? Uh, regular dessert spoons and like teaspoons and coffee spoons. All right, touche. Uh, there's also <laughs> there's also sauce spoons. Now that I've made myself look like a total I'm idiot. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> this is what happens. So how did you tra- so what did that transition look like? I mean, were you just <clears throat> So like I have a wife, I'm just going to start cooking for her. <laughs> I have a wife and kids, so I decided and that kids. And kids. So really uh, the transition happened when we had our first child. So we had our first kid in Chicago. Okay. And Is that where you're from? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota actually. Okay. Moved to Chicago for Restaurants. For, okay. So I graduated, kind of backtrack here a little bit if that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah. Go um, Tell us all about it. <laughs> met, you know, met a girl at culinary school. Okay. Graduated. I'm super romantic. So I said. Um, I could totally see you being super I'm, romantic. I'm moving to Chicago. You can come with if you want. Yeah, such a badass. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, all, you gave her an ultimatum, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we moved to Chicago with the it's idea so of like, you know, working in great restaurants, learning from the greatest chefs in the city. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, the next year we'd move, keep moving west. So we'll go to Denver, we'll go to Portland, we'll go to Seattle, we'll go to San Francisco. Uh, we stayed in Chicago for about 10 years. <laughs> Never made it any farther. So you, you guys went to Chicago. This is your wife now. Yes. She's so, also, she's also a chef. Yep. Call, That's amazing. Yep. So she actually works in the front of the house uh, and has worked in the front of the house for a long time. She's actually a sommelier too. What's that? That's a kind of like a wine expert. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I hear that. Yes. Now that you say that, I don't think I would have pronounced it correctly at all. It's My okay. grammar skills are not very good. <laughs> but um, that's very difficult to do. Are you also a song? N- I am you? not. I have no classic certifications like she does. But you know a lot about wine as well. Yeah. I mean, she drinks not a lot of wine, but <laughs> <laughs> she's listening to this. It's not a lot of wine, but but yeah, she. <laughs> so you know, whenever we open something at home, we we talk about it. Not every single time, obviously, but a lot of times, uh, if it's a cool bottle, we'll talk about it. We'll, that's you know, something that's you know, really flavor. cool that you guys can share. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, flavor so association is kind of a big part of my job now, currently. That makes sense. So so you're in Chicago, mm-hmm. and then you so you started working for Sheehan uh, in I sh- Chicago? No, there's no Sheehan in Chicago. Not yet. Not okay. Y- not, not yet. Big shout out to TJ Sheehan. Big shout out. Big shout out to Jack. Get the get the corporate guys on that <laughs> yeah, one. Exactly. We are actually in Wisconsin. Okay. So. So what made you uh, transition over to sunny upstate Syracuse, New York? That's <laughs> where my wife's originally from. She's originally from here. Yeah, uh, she's originally from yeah, just outside of Syracuse. Okay, so cl- you know you have the kids now closer to the family. Yep, have one child at this point. Decided, you know. Raising a child in Chicago may or may not be the best idea. Yeah, I mean, well, the kid already dictated that you guys are not moving to Denver. Yeah, <laughs> true, one hundred percent. So uh, moved back, worked in a few restaurants locally, um, and then just kind of hit a wall with at that point Syracuse Dining, and just personally like wanted to be around for a kid, wanted to be around. Yeah, at there has home. to be a there's a much different market for uh, high end restaurant venues in Syracuse compared to Chicago. It being yeah. such and, a larger city. And that was like seven years ago, so there was even less. There's more now. There's definitely yeah. a lot more going on now than there was seven, eight years ago. So how did you find out about the opportunity to go over to the distribution side of beer? Uh, that's I blame my dad for that. Okay. <laughs> so I was a home brewer too, so I brewed a lot of beer at home. Oh, really? Yes. Was this like in the garage? So I learned garage, so yeah. much in my last interviews with brewing at home. Like you have to, you have to 
uh, you know, what do you have to do? You have to boil the hops. You do have to boil. You the You have hops. to boil the hops. You do. Um, speaking with Dave Sachs. Yes. You know, they can go dormant and go into a hops coma. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then you might have to resuscitate your hops. <laughs> I, I personally have never had to do that yet. Thank God. Um, I can only imagine what's mouth to mouth on hops is like. It's pretty bitter. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was really funny. That was good. That's all I had. Oh man! All right. Oh, that was the dirtiest, <laughs> fucking stupidest. I'm a dad. Would that you was want? the best dad nerd <laughs> dad joke. joke. That yeah. All right. So, so so you brewed a lot. So I brewed a lot, and I was actually trying to transition from chefing into brewing. So you really enjoyed the brewing process. I absolutely loved the brewing process. Did you now? If you had to be very subjective with yourself, would was did you make anything that you brewed that you were like? Oh, this was pretty damn good. Uh, I, I I made a lot of things that I was mostly happy with. Did you and so did you ever like you just gave them? Did you give out samples? Get you know market feedback on yeah, that? Yeah, gave out. Um, I mean, the way that my mind just is programmed to work is I'm immediately thinking like, why don't you have a fucking brewery right now? Th- that was a, that was a part of the plan for and a little then while. The second kid came. In. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Joe. <laughs> um. So, so it so was. You, it how was, long were you brewing prior to? To, you know, when I was in culinary school, actually, my then girlfriend, now wife, gave me my first homebrew kit. Okay. Um. So were were they all kits? Did you eventually evolve into like kind of getting permanent? Yeah. Setups happening. Did a few like recipe kits. Kind of okay. got my feet underneath me. Read some books. Read a lot of books. What was the hardest style of beer that you ever had to try to brew? Oh, that's a good question. Um. From what I'm told, uh. You know, triple blonde or quad blonde Belgiums are not necessarily, Those as you know, as you see, I'm <laughs> drinking uh, out of my delirium wine glass, a little yes. bit of that, Tremens. Um, Tremens is definitely difficult. I think anything, you know, very light, um, like a Pilsner, uh, lagers, just because of the equipment that it takes, because you have to keep them at a certain temperature range and yeah. age them for a certain temperature and okay. time. Those are probably some of the more difficult styles. I, also, I learned um, in episode one with uh, Big Shout Out Dave Sanderson, I learned that a lot about sours. Oh yeah, I've, I've made a couple. Just, you, like, you don't know how they're going to turn out at the end. You're right. It's kind of just like a guessing game. It is very much a guessing game. Which can become very sour. It, it could be too sour. <laughs> or not sour enough. Or not sour enough. Um, <clears throat> what is your favorite to brew? Uh, I was making a lot of pale ales. Pale ales? Pale ales. Um, Trying to find like fine tune that craft process. Yeah, and this was you know five or so six years ago. That's when like the sloops and the equilibriums of the world and the you know the trilliums of the world were really you know exploring these hops and how to add them to beer and when to add them to beer and how now, much did to the, add. Did beer. the kit include the hops? Yes. Oh, it did. Yes. Okay. But you can also go to a homebrew supply store and buy everything separate. So all the different grains, all the different hops. It's kind of like the it's the hops version of going to a hydroponic shop too. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, every do hop whatever has you would normally do with hydroponic supplies. Yeah, I mean, there's not so much an indica or sativa style, but there's definitely bittering yeah. hops and aromatic hops that have different properties and release different properties in the beer. At and different upstate times. New York is huge on like they are the, like one of the birthplaces of hops. They are central New York, especially, which is crazy. Yes. Um, so you've been brewing for a while, and then how did your dad get <laughs> you on to uh, on to Sheehan? So I was trying to, <clears throat> like I said, get into the you know production side, brewing side, and again, this is five or so years ago where there wasn't a whole lot of breweries around, and those that were open that I wanted to be a part of didn't have big crews and weren't looking to expand or hire. Okay. So we were sitting around one day. And so this is like, like there was no Myers Creek. There was no Myers. I mean, in Syracuse at that time, it might have only been Middle Ages. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple. So you're trying to work your way into the brewery. The brewery. So he's like, well, have you ever thought about selling beer? And I laughed and I said, Dad, I, I've never sold anything in my entire life. I, I, I can't sell anything. Right, because you were a chef, right? I was a chef. I, you I weren't selling what, anything. I wasn't selling anything. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a way in. Yeah. You know, different. A foot different, in the door. Foot in the door, different way to enter the market. Yeah, sure. So I looked online and from my restaurant background here in central New York, I knew that Sheehan uh, had the best portfolio, carried all the cool uh, craft brands, all the brands that I cared about. Right. So, and then for the, for those listening, the portfolio is like where what they're, they have the rights to sell, like the brands. So, for example, with Sheehan, my understanding is that they have in this area and county, they have the rights to sell certain brands that the other distribution companies don't have the rights to sell. Correct, and vice and versa so, outside of so it. So the too. larger the portfolio for the distribution company, the better, you know, in turn off they are, like because they can house so many different styles, have those rights to them, and then if those are highly demanded, like a Bud Light or a Spot and Lager, they're, you know... Absolutely. They get the, they get the, the business. We get the business, so... Um, I just went on their website and they were hiring an entry level merchandising position. So you started off in merchandising. I sure did. And as uh, any of the listeners know <laughs> from the episode with Dave, that's usually the best way to start off is in merchandising and Absolutely. typically the most routine. It is. It's it's the most routine and for someone coming from a you know restaurant background, it, it's it's just putting away a, a, an order. Yeah. You know, so it's something you're already kind of used to. Did you engage with, like, when you were doing merchandising, did you engage with a lot of customers? Were you getting, like, random people coming up? It, I did. Um, you know, a lot of people looking for specific things. But also, one thing that I learned from a mentor within the company, Andrew, was, you know, you're, you're, you're already in the aisle. Someone's sitting there staring at something blankly or just kind of wandering. Hey, what are you looking for? Yeah. What do you, what do you like to drink? Sure. Uh, this. All right, cool. Hey, check this out. We just got this in, or if you like that, you should have this. Right. And they go, oh, I already had that. Oh, if you've had that, you should try this, definitely. Okay. And then they leave with your product, because you're only pitching your stuff. Obviously. Yeah, Obviously. You only want to do that. But you're actually, you're telling them the truth to gain your credit. Absolutely. Like, what if you saw them again the next time around? They're like, That's, that was shit. Yeah, why, why, the, did, you why did you do that? Well, I sold it to you because it was my product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of, you know, like, you're, you're trying to engage with the customer, trying yeah, to, to that, try something new. Yeah, that's kind of a new. good um, starting out. Those are kind of good training wheels for learning, for getting into the sales end of things. Absolutely. So... Um, worked doing that and then as things you know people move on and move up you know certain things positions open up so I was able to just kind of so rise a position the opened up from merchandising how long were you in merchandising nine months nine months in merchandising is that normal or is that like fast it kind of depends on the turnover depend, okay you know I, I think you know speaking of David I think he was merchandiser a little bit longer and I think that was just the product of nobody left Okay, gotcha. No, no positions opened up. There's only so many sales routes in a company. Right, exactly. So um, that makes sense. Yeah. So you moved up right into a sales position now. Uh, yeah, more of that sales training where you're, you're covering you're guys' vacation. Yeah, yeah, like they want to go on vacay. Yeah. And then how long were you doing that prior to... While you were doing that, were you also doing merchandising still? A little bit on like holiday coverage and things like that. Okay. If there was no one off, you were helping merchandise. And then when did you finally move into the beer sales? Uh, from years in a year and a half. No, from from the time I left merchandising, to, it was like three months. Well, three months, right into the beer sales. Right into right and into. And how did the beginning of beer sales look like for you? Um, are you familiar with the, you know, the movie Tommy Boy? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, the scene where he's like, you know, let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Yeah. There were a lot of days where I was like, wow, I really suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever, did you ever pitch it like that? <laughs> I never, you know, I would have a hundred percent. I never did like the full, like, you know, uh, you know, pulling a 180 on somebody, but you know, <laughs> I, I definitely was like, wow, Richard, I have a lot to learn <laughs> and a lot of ways, you know, cause you know, selling is a style. It's being, a, being, you know, a rep is a style. Right. And everybody uh, has, has their a personality. own style. Yeah. yeah everyone absolutely. has their own style. Yeah. I would agree. Well, and also for those of, uh, so let's also address a big elephant in the room, at least for me, okay. um, for everybody that's listening. So when I first met Kyle, he was not referred to as Kyle. It oh. was Fuck it, it was handsome Kyle. Handsome. And then Kyle. I saw this bastard and I was like, God, there's the Mona Lisa. Okay, there's the David. And then there's this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did that how did that happen? Handsome Kyle? Yeah. Um, Tell me about that. I mean, because I would I would use that every pitch I th- when you're selling beer. Like, do you not you want to buy it from uh, that didn't from start ugly till Ugly Charlie? That didn't start till I met you. Oh, really? Really. I helped foster that. Yeah, because there was another rep in the area, I think a supplier rep, whose name was Kyle, who... Oh, yes. Well, she was on the last episode. Was she? Yeah, she was. Oh, okay. So that was that Kyle. So a way to differentiate the Kyles was handsome Kyle. Outside of the gender. Correct, yes. From a conversation standpoint, handsome Kyle. It's a very, you know, gender fluid. Is that what we say these days? Sure. Neutral? I'm not going to go down that road. I've already done this with uh, Kaylee's episode and really made an ass of myself. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so um, we, uh, yeah, that was just a a point of differentiation. And And that stuck. And it stuck like glue. And then next thing you know, you got, you're walking on the street and you're coming over to the bar and you're like, this woman just said, oh my God. You're just so good looking. So, I, I, you're like, I'm having a great Tuesday. I'm having a fantastic Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so you're working at Sheehan. Uh, you're in the beer side of sales. How was the beer sales? It, it was good. You know, you I, liked it? I had a couple different territories that I, you know, I started with one side of town and then a different route opened up that was a little bit closer to home. So I went to that side of town. Was it, um, was it mainly like stores or was it bars? Was it a mix of both? Um, it was a pretty close 50-50 split. Okay. Uh, for... For at least one of them, and then the next one was a little bit more on premise, heavier. heavier. Okay. So, but still a lot of stores. And then, how did the transition now happen into your current role with Spirits? Because this is a new area of of Chian's portfolio. Correct, and we brought them in house, Spirits, and from restaurant background, all the restaurants, a lot of the restaurants I worked at in Chicago had a really good cocktail program. And as a chef in the kitchen, you always make friends with the bartenders. Okay. Because they're the ones who are going to feed you drinks at the end of the night. That <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. You know, there was... It's a very strategic, smart move. You know, it's like, oh, last table's in. Um, yep, cool. And then a beer would just show up. Perfect. You know? Yeah. You know, maybe on the back end, did you ever just be like, oh, yeah, I got this extra filet. <laughs> you I know, brined it for you. Gives it, give <laughs> Lots of salt. Lots of salt. Lots of salt. There's so much salt in this. <laughs> But, you know, so, you know, working with them, they were always trying to, you know, do different infusions and liquors and make different syrups and different ingredients. So me being the chef or a chef, they had to order through me. So it was just kind of a symbiotic thing. Okay. So they teach me about different liquors and spirits and I would teach them about different ingredients and maybe a different technique or, you know some different utilization of it and um with that so you'd started out 
so this was a new area for Sheehan. Yes. And were you the first person to start out in it? Did they no, already have people they, that they get kind of lined up as sales reps? They did have one rep who was before me. Is merchandising also, is there a separate merchandiser for spirits? The funny thing about the SLA is that... The State Liquor Authority. State Liquor Authority is that... I was about to say an SLS is a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can merchandise beer for an account. That means you can put it away, you can restock shelves, that kind of thing. Okay. When it comes to liquor stores, that is considered a gift of service, and I'm not allowed to do that. So I sell it to the store, and it's up to them to put it on the shelf and price it correctly. Interesting. Very. Okay. And But is that the same way with a bar? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, you know, we're not well, coming in. I right. Mean, we're not buying liquor we, we put that the we kegs plan in on, like, cooler. maybe putting in. Right. And, you know, we'll we'll make sure that the empty ones are on top of the full ones because we're not jerks. Right. Okay. That you, Right. Exactly. But we're not coming behind the bar with cases and unloading them and putting them into your cooler. I mean, if you wanted to, I'm not going to say no. I mean, <laughs> I don't think any of the bartenders <laughs> would really care. <laughs> I'm gonna That's fantastic. I'm I will gonna, see you I'm later gonna, today around <laughs> 6 o'clock. That'd be I'm great. I'm going to put this on the SLA and, and say that we're probably not allowed to do that. Um, so you now you've been in this role for about a year, you said? Just over a year. Just yeah. a little over a year. Yeah. Um, and how's it going? I think pretty okay. They Have you like exponentially in this last 12-ish month period like learned a, a shit ton more about? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Do, is there anything specific or is it like uh, like evenly distributed? Because I feel like there's probably a lot more back end knowledge on like a, uh, on like a tequila <laughs> versus... Um, I, I think it was a mezcal you guys were confused mez, about. Mezcal, yeah, because it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not. It's, no. it's, uh, it's, you know, it's very similar, but it's, it's not the same. <laughs> right. It's not, are all tequilas mezcal? No. Are all mezcal tequilas? Not really. Are all tequilas agave? Yes. Are all mezcals agave? Yes. What is agave? Agave is a cactus. A cacti. A Got cacti. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was a uh, really great back end knowledge. I thought I was going to be able to stump you there for a second, and I had no idea the answers of any of that. Um, so, what were what were the larger like what liquor sp- slash spirit? Which um which styles were like have the most like back-end stuff that you really kind of got to absorb in order to really know what the hell you're talking about? It kind of depends. I believe in... Like scotch, bourbon. Scotch and bourbon. Because it could be smoky, not smoky. Correct. Well, bourbon's like really... Sh- there's there's a whole lot of new... Cows big deep breath. <laughs> I'm so happy that I got the video component <laughs> of this because now, with the video, now I can like say, I can cut that clip. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so with the bourbon... So... It shouldn't be smoky. It... No. <laughs> okay. Typically, no. typically no. Okay. And typically, then with uh, all right. So typically, it should not be smoky. Typically, no. But all scotches right. typically should be. Okay. And then vodka seem pretty straightforward. Vodka super straightforward. Uh, gins is all about the different botanicals that they'll put into it. So that's kind of you know. A there song. are different styles of gin, though. I, I yes. learned about that. Yes. I actually got a little bit of judgment in my episode seven because uh, we were talking about Jim gin giblets. Or, okay. And uh, I, 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 I didn't know that there was different styles of gin. She goes, oh, that's funny. Oh, and no. I'm like, well, the judgment. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite style of uh, liquor? I'm kind of partial to bourbon and or gin. Okay. With tequila starting to kind of creep into my life. Tequila starting to creep into your life. Yeah. Now, what does tequila look like? Because that is a super popular Super style. popular category. And I think that one, as far as like categories of liquor, yeah. uh, tequila and bourbon are your are your front runners right now. Okay. I would definitely say that tequila is 
the most growth I've seen in popularity and yes. overall like ordering yes. preference yes. for sure. Absolutely. Now, what's diff- what's the, break down the the correct difference for me from <laughs> tequila and mezcal? <laughs> All right, so let's try not to look like an ass here. Can I say ass? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everybody always asks. I I'm, I'm so appreciative of the uh, <laughs> the amount of politeness that you guys are willing to. But yeah, you can fucking say ass. Just don't say any stupid shit unless <laughs> okay. it's really funny. Okay. Like that one joke. Um, go ahead. So T- tell me about the tequila and the. Uh, so start with tequila. Okay. Tequila comes from Jalisco, which is a region of Mexico. Okay. Okay. And right. it's predominantly all bl- tequila comes from those pretty much traditionally. Traditionally, right. And it's predominantly slash always blue Weber agave. That's the species of the plant. Is that indigenous to? Yes. Okay. All right. Go yes. on. So after that, they then would they harvest what's kind of like the heart of the plant, which is called a piña, because okay. it kind of looks like a pineapple, but it's like the size of a rugby ball or larger. Sure. For for lack of a better term, they then cook it. Yeah. Um, mash it into a pulp, and then that's what they ferment, and then from that ferment is what they distill, and that becomes the tequila. Correct. Now, what? How do they get the mezcal? So mezcal comes from Oaxaca, Mexico, a different region. First off, let's pause. You, I think, are indirectly like serenade seducing <laughs> me with these, <laughs> these words. Like this is ridiculous. It is a romance language. It is. I can tell it's right a romance now. Language. I gotta. I just my legs right here for a second. Okay, go ahead. So just break down the mezcal. Staring deep into your soul. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're talking mezcal, we're talking from Oaxaca. Okay. We're talking a different variety. Usually, it's of, of agave. It's usually an espadine. Okay. From there, they take they take the the piñas. Yeah. And instead of roasting them in an oven, they roast them in a pit in the ground with wood. So that's where that smokiness is coming from. And that's for the mezcal. And that's for the mezcal. Is there a difference in like ABV per, or uh, proof percentage? It I d- should say. Depends on the producer. Okay. I mean, typically your your tequilas are around an eighty-ish. Typically, your mezcals will be around an eighty-ish, but some go higher, some go lower. It kind of depends again on the producer. Now, for the mezcal, because I've never this is a new term for me mm-hmm. and uh, style that I've been learning about recently. Um, I know that tequilas obviously go into margaritas. Yes. What kind of style drinks for those of us that don't know anything? About this, <laughs> go into what is mezcal used for? You, you can, other than a shot, I wouldn't say you could like use it interchangeably okay. per se, but you can. I mean, are there other mixed cocktails that I would go instead of like you know your traditional margaritas, you know lime and triple sec? Sure, I would go more of a paloma with grapefruit, where that smokiness and grapefruit kind of are better friends. Okay, because they they complement each other more. Yes, very interesting. Or you can get kind of really weird and go with like I'll a mezcal. Old fashioned. Oh, okay. Yeah. And do you still have to, um, do you add bitters into that still? Yes. And sugar? Yes. And orange. And orange. And then what else? That's typically it in an old fashioned. That's it? Yeah. And then some soda? You can go A soda. Bit of Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> no. Pepsi Zero. Pepsi Zero. Yeah, I like to have my Johnny Walker Blue Scotch with some Pepsi Coke vanilla. <laughs> uh, not gonna say that that was not a lie. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So tequila and so this is very interesting to me because I think that so was there just a, not going back to you being a chef was there just not a lot of opportunistic growth after having you know made the decision with your wife now at the time um, to move here there wasn't a lot of growth so what a pivot so right. would um, 
What would you say was one of the, I mean, you really just listened to your dad. I'm like, you were like, all right, I'll entertain his suggestion on sure. selling beer. Right. Uh, even though you had never sold beer before. Do you have any, um, do you have any like maybe tips or small bits of advice for people that are in the restaurant industry? Because I feel like that's a much larger uh, population. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're not chefs yet. Um, and want to transition into something that's more of career-based? Because I think that this industry in general is just massive. It's not going anywhere. No, not at and all. There's, and there's obviously a huge side of opportunity of growth in a career. In a, yes. So give me. do you have any piece of advice for listeners that might be interested? Interested in a pivot like I did? Yeah, in a pivot like, yeah. Or they're going, you know, they are in the restaurant side. Right. You know, they're not going to get the bartending gig at the place they're at. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe they want to, maybe if it's just a side hustle, but is there, you know, is there worthwhile in like they're taking a, taking a journey? Do they just apply? Do you think that they could do anything to prepare earlier on? Or maybe it is a chef that's, you know, kind of hit their ceiling. Sure. To, to, to give some career advice. That didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Harvard of cooking schools. Get it right. Right. <laughs> Get it right. Guys. Get it right. Gosh. Um, I would say Harvard still use sporks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't look at what you like to do, and I'm not like talking about like oh, if you you know find your passion, if you you know do something you love, you never work for a day in your life. And that's what what are your interests? Okay. So for me, it was you know beer. I like to drink beer, but I also like to make beer. Right. So I was kind of you, you were brewing at home for a while. I was bringing it home for a while. So if there's something that you enjoy doing. Don't limit yourself to just that one aspect of that type of thing. Sure. Like there's a whole big supplier side. So for instance, let's say you really like, you know, cooking steaks or like the meat aspect of it. You know, there's a whole subgenre of jobs on the supply side that go with that. That go with that. That go with that. Right. If you find yourself like, oh, I like tinkering and things and mechanically and like, oh, the dishwasher goes down, I'm the guy that can kind of fix it. Sure. There's a whole supply side of that too where you can so fix. So th- there's, essentially there's a lot of opportunity out there that people might not be aware of. Yeah, look at look at what you're already doing and kind of look at what, what, what's beyond that or what's behind that. Right. So like, you know, you're in the restaurant, there's a whole supply side to the yeah. restaurant. Yes. Um, also, I would say, you know, especially you being a great example, I think that there's a huge opportunity in people that deal with uh, the beer side of things, but have a very good understanding on the uh, culinary side of sure. things. Because I think that a growing kind of event style is those beer tastings with pairing of food. I did one of those uh, at June Farms in Albany, um, and it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And that was also a really cool aspect of when I was selling, and even now because I've you know done these dinners, is being able to you know put some of these things in front of people, whether it's a beer style. Or so you've a, done these dinners before? Yes. What are they called? We usually call them beer dinners or beer pairing dinners. Beer pair, and is there like a like what is a format of that look like? Because I'm it, thinking about you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, just big shout out to all of our listeners. Um, be, you know, be on the lookout. We are going to be definitely hosting one of these at some point. I think that they're a lot of fun. Um, maybe, who knows? Maybe handsome Kyle will be. Uh, you never know. You, ne- you, know, you, you never, never know. You never know. Um, so they're usually kind of a tasting format where you're gonna make one specific dish per course to pair with one specific beer. And um, how many courses usually? It depends on the place. I've done anywhere up to seven or eight. Eight courses? Yeah. I would throw up by well, five. They're not like... 
<laughs> I would be the, so full. They're not that Midwest style, like full plate of food. I or would central be hammered New York. going into my seventh course. You know, it's not like a typical appetizer size where you're getting around here where you can share it with someone. It's it's usually two or three bites at most. Okay, at most. At most. Uh, and what is um what is that what does that journey look like? Usually, you normally start out with at like an appetizer. Yeah, you'll do a couple smaller. You know, you're kind of want to. Do you dictate off the food or the beer? Because you do. You, are you supposed to go from a light to a dark beer? Yeah, typically you're. You kinda, are. I mean, I totally knew that. You, you can, if you know what you're doing, you can kind of go both ways. But okay. typically, you want to go lighter to then, a heavier. Okay. And in intensity, lighter to heavier. Okay. That's you know for beer and food. Okay. So lighter, cleaner. Um, so like a pilsner. A pilsner you start off with would be great, especially. But you can. That would be great with. You could start off with that del- delirium tremens in your hand. I, I could. I mean, you it's, could. Yeah, you you know, could. It's a great nine percent start to the day. If you want to, <laughs> got to dump gas on the fire sometimes. You know, you do. You just bit. got to. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, we're roaring right now. Right. <laughs> so you want to usually start with a lighter beer. Yes. And what does a good light beer kind of pair with? Uh, you know, raw fish. Okay. Um, f- like sushi. Sushi. I don't know why I was thinking like a live fish that you just had to grab. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You can hold on to it. You can have Here's it. the goldfish. It's in the, it's in the bowl. <laughs> oh, you get God. a bowl and a pilsner, and you just got to <laughs> fucking catch the fish. Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out. There's your fork. <laughs> yeah. Um, f- like uh, Fried items that are not like fried meat. Okay. So like, you know, fried fish or shrimp. Calamaris. You know, seafoods, those types of things. You okay. Can, and then kind of build up from there. All right. And then what, is, what about dark beers outside of dessert? So outside of dessert... You know, because that's usually what everyone does is they'll with say, a dark beer, yeah. Oh, I have a stout. I'm going to make a chocolate cake. Totally cool. Nothing wrong with that. It's delicious for a reason. It's a classic for it's a delicious reason. for a reason. Yeah, it it works. Right. Things that I've liked to done and like to do in the past would be maybe a darker Belgian. So like delirium tremens. There's the delirium nocturnum. Just okay. For, just for an example, because I'm staring right at it. Right. Uh, back into that braise thing. You can braise heartier cuts of meat such as beef short ribs wow and then that then after it's done braising you can reduce that liquid down to concentrate it to turn it into a sauce so when you were doing these dinners yes. were there any moment were there any experiences that you've how many have you done Perf- like as a uh, in total yeah as a chef and yeah a dozen a dozen was were any of them like did you like totally fuck up at some point <laughs> <laughs> you're just like like you just pot like you just mumbled the words or uh, god forbid you're walking around you tripped i think there was a couple of times when younger when i was a younger earlier in my career younger handsome kyle younger handsome kyle is even more more handsome kyle <laughs> um maybe being a little overly ambitious with the menu given the setting that i was cooking it in okay such as like just maybe like oh I'm gonna do this well I don't really have a stove but I'll figure out a way to do it sure and the execution of the food side could have maybe been a little but you never better. like publicly embarrassed the shit out of yourself no actually I haven't okay it's not like the like so one time when I was <laughs> one time when I was bartending uh, I was asked to grab some gin off of the shelf and it and it knocked oh that's the best domino and it knocked um uh. A bottle. <laughs> I knocked a bottle of Captain Morgan, which just crashed onto glass. Where it's ten o'clock at night, everybody's staring at me. We're at peak hours on a Friday. He loved that. And the bartender. This is when I was just bar backing at the time. The bartender <laughs> comes over and she's like rubbing my back. She's like, "You need anything?" I'm like, "Yeah, I just need about the last fifteen minutes of my life deleted." That's all, <laughs> that's all I need. All right. So none of that happened, thankfully. Thankfully. No. Okay. 
Um, what about crazy stories with selling spirits? Selling spirits, nothing crazy, honestly. What it's about a, while you're being a chef? When I was being you, a chef, I mean, give I mean, us, come on, the audience, we all want to hear. <laughs> you know, do you ever have to? The s- Anthony Bourdain you ever have to, like sue somebody up. Um, you know, I, I, when I got into a leadership position in the kitchen, uh, I kind of made a pact with myself that I don't yell at people. I'm not a yelling kind of guy. I'm a pretty cool, calm, collected guy. Sure. So, so passive aggressive. So super passive. <laughs> but, but, but like a sarcastic, I would just sarcasm people to death. Oh yeah. Okay. Know? So like, you know, there's a big whiteboard in the kitchen and it's usually where you would put, you know, uh, we're running low on these types of things and cooks could write, you know, oh, I use the less of this or I need more of this. Sure. And I'd see these things on the board and, and, uh, oh, you need me to order more arugula. Yeah. Okay. 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 Then I'd walk into the cooler and I'd grab the bin of arugula that they clearly couldn't see. Right. And bring it out to them. I'm like, you know, there's like five pounds here, but I'll order more if you need more. I'm totally, I mean, if you're going to use it, I'll, I want to make sure you don't run out. Okay, so you made it clear that. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's enough. I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Like, okay, cool. I, I mean, it's clearly labeled with tape and a date. And you know, if this isn't enough. And it's I'll, right there. I will totally. In the same spot it always is. I will totally order more. For then you. why would they even ask? Well, they didn't see it. They, uh, they didn't even look. They didn't, well, you know. You never know. So then turned into the, you got to move stuff to find stuff. And do you have any, while you were a chef, did you have any big pet peeves? Like, that just, because oh. <laughs> like, I got to imagine, you know, you're, you went to a great culinary school, it sounds like. And I worked in some really nice places. And nice places where there's a, you know, there's specificities that can't be overlooked. Like, was it, I mean, um, you're, so I feel like you're gripping your hands <laughs> right now. <laughs> you're just, just like, oh, you know, okay. yeah. So, uh, in would it be like in the cleanliness of so something or this would where the fuck is my kitchen knife? <laughs> I mean, you you hear like the most pettiest one? Yeah, it's I not would, even petty, but we it would love like, to. <laughs> so you know, like you put in, for instance, downstairs you have like a, a Cambro container of pretzels, right? That you cook, sure. and you have them labeled pretzels, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that container is empty. You then bring it to the dishwasher to wash. Okay. Not taking the tape off that container. Before you run it through the dishwasher, why? Because then it gets stuck, and like you just you just take the tape off your containers, and you don't want it to get stuck. Yeah, you like the container. So to I would be collect all those containers because they them would out. Be, no. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the pretzel container, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I would then take all those containers that had tape on it because you also had initial your prep. Yeah, and I would bring them over to the person's station, dirty, and be like, "Take your tape off your containers." You need to take this off. Okay, now give me a yeah. I want one more. (laughs) Um, man, I'm trying to think. Was it like misplacing stuff? I mean, we would, you know, you like to mess with people every now and again. So it's like freezing personal items. Did anybody? Okay, were you were you ever finishing dishes? Like, were you ever putting the final the final touches? There was there was a restaurant. Did you ever do this thing with the salt pay? Didn't exist then. Who salt pay? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's who does. For those that can't see, it's the right the, goosenecky, yeah, weird. the goosenecky thing where like your elbows <laughs> wide out in front and you're yeah. sprinkling salt down your forearm. Yeah, pretty much. And you're much. wearing aviators. Yeah, you have fantastic hair. Um, did you ever have to finalize a dish? Like, put the final. T- did anyone ever unscrew and loosen up a salt? Oh man, no, no one ever did. Oh my god, I would. So rage. that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the whole thing just dumped onto a a nice brined yeah. steak or something. So, so like there was one time it wasn't me or, you know, where someone had taken like the the stopper off of like Tabasco sauce. Uh-huh. So like instead of it coming out in like nice little individual spurts, it just dumped out. 
and like the chef was doing it and he just just blasted the sauce with oh about my God, a quarter did he freak cup of out? yeah oh my god yeah. so that's like with the salt thing the salt shaker that we have see it wasn't that somebody did this on purpose it's just that it <laughs> needs to be replaced yeah. um but i really enjoy using it because it still does the job you yeah. just kind of have to put a finger over the top you of just got to know but there have been so many occasions where oh, yeah. especially with the doer bartenders where they're shaking the salt and all of a sudden the top the whole thing just goes on yep. the pretzel yep and they just are like oh. just bukkake the pretzel can and i say that? Yeah, yeah can you say bukkake yeah yeah, you can say bukkake. <laughs> I mean, I don't even. That's a, that's you know. We're not going to get into the definition of bukkake, but need uh, to. we don't but, need to. But sure, you could definitely if you'd like to. Um, no, don't be such a bukkake. <laughs> I don't think I'm using that correctly. God, I need to learn so much. I don't think you are either. Um, so, where do you have aspirations of becoming more involved in the spirit side of things with sure. uh, with Sheehan? And where Absolutely. do you like? How, where do you see growth happening with that? Well, that's a good question. I hope. Glad. Hope my bosses aren't listening. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't support the channel. They don't support the channel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get them on here. Uh, that would be ap- pretty epic. Um, opportunities are just, you know, more. This is a new area. It's a new area for so, us, anyway. Okay, yeah. But I mean, there's been plenty of spirit companies around for the longest time. But I see a lot of people moving away from those classic brands. We'll call them. Okay. The ones that don't need to be named, but you know all those names. Sure. And I think. As a younger consumer, you know, are looking for more story behind their brands, mm-hmm. looking for more uh, differentiation in their brands. Yeah, being able to actually like tangibly engage with them too, I think is huge. Absolutely, the social media aspect is also. And you know, and for anybody that's listening that is in that younger generation, you know, that twenty-one to thirty-one ish, yeah. even thirty-five year old age range, you know, I would love it you know, to have a comment. And then also, I would 100% be willing to repeat, you know, very polite style comments <laughs> that are appropriate, um, you know, that aren't uh, bukkakied. <laughs> I still, you know, I got to look this definition up afterwards. But anyway, um, <laughs> you're, you make sure you're not on your work computer for that one. It's not safe for work. Okay, so now I'm a little nervous about this. The podcast might really be canceled at this point. <laughs> so. So yeah, I would love to hear back. I'd love feedback on um, what the consumer and of the of what consumers think about that with brands. One of the coolest things I think was that we did. You guys have a new vodka soda brand. Yes, uh, neutral, which I love this style. Oh, did you bring? Did you bring some? You think I'm going to come to this podcast without my special? So I know that everybody listening can't see it, but on the video that we will post. Oh yeah, so I love the can. Uh, it's very simple. Um, it's a great tasting product. It's new from Anheuser-Busch. They just launched it. Uh, it's their version. It's their style of high noon. But I think from the other competitors out there, it's definitely more in that top, that topper tiered category. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, compared to like if you were to get another vodka seltzer, you know, a vodka soda seltzer. Sure. And like I made it, in, you know, in the basement. It's probably not going to taste as good. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably. I was going to say it's going to have Bukkake. <laughs> All right, I'm done. There's going to be um, a lot of editing on this episode. Yeah, I don't think so. I like to keep it as authentic as possible. <laughs> um, but that being said, uh, yeah, so like newer brand, it kind of gives you a great opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things, going back to engaging with the younger audience, um, you know, I love the fact that we did an event. We had a backdrop for a selfie station. It was kind of like, you know, that red carpet style with the 
with the brand's logo going diagonally across in different colors. Got a ton of pictures of it. And then the samplings, I think, are massive. Yeah, the proof is always in the pudding. And that even goes from consumers even to just, you know, the, the buyers and the store managers that I'm talking to, the decision makers. They want to taste it. Right. So that they know like, that it's good. And you then, know, and in the macro scheme of things, a few hundred bucks to spend at the bar that is already buying their product to give it a chance for the market and yeah. can provide the target audience. Like, that's a very small ask. It's a very small ask. And it's about, you know, bars supporting the stores and the stores supporting the bars. It's, it's a symbiotic right. relationship, you know. You love the, 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 the stores want to want to see the support in the bars. Right. And the bars want to be like, well, where can these people go get it? Right. To try more. To right, exactly. More. Yeah, because there was a, during the event, there was a lot of kids that were asking about, you know, is this available right. at any of the stores around here? Where can I get this? And right. then you tell them. So it, it's, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. They, they both have to be on board. Yeah, so big shout out to Neutral. They did a great job with this product. Uh, I definitely am excited to see what kind of swag they eventually come out with. I know that all of our patrons love the swag. I mean, I rep the shit <laughs> out of anything. I'm a sucker for free t-shirts. I swear to God, like, you want to sell me on a product? Bring me in a fucking free t-shirt. I'm like, done. Duly Unless noted. it's like, if it's poorly made, I'm not going to do, do that. You Are know? you sure? You know, I probably would still. I, I'm I, such yeah, a, come on. I'm such a sucker for free t-shirts. <laughs> I don't know why. It's probably because I went to so many sporting events that I never get the free t-shirt when they get like the t-shirt gun. So are you going to invest in a t-shirt gun for Wolves? Uh, maybe. I mean, the venue's not that wide, so, you know, I could just shoot them at people, but that might hurt. I don't know. Maybe we, should uh, we are going to do an apparel brand soon. Are you? We're, yeah, we're going to drop a new t-shirt. I'm going to start out with limited edition. I love it. Apparel t-shirts. And, love it. And uh, beanies and hats. Um, the first one is actually going to be modeled after the, uh, the logo of the podcast. Okay. Which I think, because I want to make something that people are going to wear. Sure. You know, it's not too loud, but it's also very cool and unique. And, uh, and yeah, we're also going to be doing, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in, you know, one of our famous most to-go shots, the pickleback. The pickleback. You know, I wanna, I'm coming out with a caricature. I think of Mickey Mouse, but I'm going to Mick Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to, I'm not joking, I'm going to make a cartoon character around the pickleback shot. All right. Like, think Mickey Mouse meets Tony the Tiger. It's great. They're great. Yeah, right. Like, seriously, yeah. Like, he never had his own TV show, no. like Mickey did, but he was for Kellogg's. Right. You know, I want to make Mick Pickle for pickles. Hmm. I mean, we have the best pickles. <laughs> they, they are pretty. They're really good. They're I really mean, the good. fact that I start giving them out for free, we're actually getting, we're, we're having more juice than we are pickles <laughs> now. People are like, can I get some pickles? There'll be like 300 people in the bar. Like, yeah. Do you really want pickles right now? Yeah. You want one of my pickles? <laughs> yeah, let me go get you some because we don't charge for them. I mean, we would just throw them out anyway. Really? You, you? No, I don't charge. I don't charge for you pickles. You just get we, pickles in. We get five for... gallon buckets of pickles. Yeah. That are literally are used for the juice. Mm -hmm. The pickles are fucking delicious. Right. So I'm like, look, I'm like, guys, like this. This is a no brainer, especially if it's at a manageable time. Yeah. Throw, throw dishes of pickles out there. So we at a place I worked at made our own tots. Like tater tots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also would. They we, do that at Three Lives. We would shred pickles uh -huh. and fold them into the tots before Ooh. we would then f form okay. them and then fry them. So they were pickle tots. Pickle tots. <laughs> I'm going to actually mention that to John down at Three Lives. Just throwing it out there. Just throw, hey, you know what? That might be something to do. Yeah. And if you need, you know, John, big shout out, Three Lives, if you need some pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm your pickle man. Um, but yeah, McPickle. That would be uh, that'd be pretty cool. Does it gonna have like a a hat? You know, I'd I'd like to I'd like him to dab. I'd like him to be able to kind of 
dead in a pickle? Yeah. Is he going to have a face? I don't. Yeah, I think that he's going to have a face. I don't know about arms yet or legs. Because I'm kind of picturing like a Mr. Peanut, but it'd be like Mr. Pickle. Yeah. I, I kind of definitely want. Yeah. Sans. If there's any artists listening that are good at drawing up this stuff, I am more than happy to look at any sketches <laughs> on on a, what do you think a Mick Pickle should look like? I would. Uh, you know what? Maybe I should do a contest around this. I don't like, see why not. Whoever draws up the best Mick Pickle. We will actually legitimately make that into a hat, a T-shirt. I am one hundred percent happy to give all of the credit to the artist. Yep. Uh, and talk other details later. And, you know, and they could probably, you know, at least for a month to three months, I would give them th- free picklebacks. Free picklebacks and pickles. What about uh, uh, a McPickle NFT? Oh well, obviously that's got to happen. <laughs> I think I want to tie that into some other NFT ideas. Okay. Um, you know, this episode would definitely go on for two hours if I was to dive down that rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's not, that's not what we're but talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, today. Mick Pickle. I mean, I would want I, I would let it be known on the record that I would do a Mick Pickle NFT, and if it was if the artwork that was voted best came from a third party, I would one hundred percent share them in on any proceeds that we were to make after cost of products that's awesome 100 percent. heck yeah and and they would get they would be tied into the smart contract so if anybody's listening mick pickle whatever you think that looks like i'm gonna be getting so many emails (laughs) (laughs) some random pickle text messages i mean you, you do know that i went to art school before culinary school right did you really no okay thank god because i was like what haven't you done <laughs> um so that you know what this was good. Uh, neutral. Back to ra- wrapping back around in neutral. Yeah, we kind of derailed uh, there for a minute. Yeah, we did. You know, I, I get off tangent so much <laughs> these days. But yeah, so I think that it's really important that these newer brands, you know, the younger generations want the experience. Yes. They're, they're so much more selective. Yes. And I think that that's important. It's about the story. That it's you know, they're sustainability not just looking at what, is a big you know, what's the cheapest. No, they don't care about that. No, they, they don't. Want, no. They, they will wanna, pay for quality. They will pay for... You know, I don't want to say a story, but they want to feel a connection to the brand. Yeah, like you have to actually, and I, I love that because I think it raises the bar. Yes. So how no do you, intended. how would you say? Did you try to do that? Yeah, yeah, I, know I you did. did. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say? Um, how would you say is one of the best ways that you think of engaging with a younger audience? Me personally, uh, or my at, products with your products. With my products, I mean, you again, just walking around the <clears throat> backpack full of liquor. You know that that's Anybody that comes off a little creepy. <laughs> you go, hey, what's your? Yeah. Let me see your ID real quick. I just, right, you're 24. Yeah, you want a shot of vodka? Yeah, I just roll around <laughs> college campuses and you know with the with aviators and a hat on. That's that's how I engage Carry with the bags of salt. <laughs> so, so just salt bay, <laughs> spirit bay. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Um, I think things like uh, tastings. Uh, are are the number one way to really engage. I think so too. Uh, to to get it in front of them and 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 to sh- tell them the story about the brand, and if it resonates, it resonates. And if it doesn't, it's okay. And we we will find another one. There's tons of brands out there. There's new brands coming out every day. And I think yeah, I think the delivery is very much as important as the actual product itself. Yeah, and I think you know, social media. Yeah. Uh, it's it's tough as a distributor to really kind of target and engage mm-hmm. a specific subset of your demographic do you think uh i have you i haven't yet done any back-end research do you think that neutral uh by the way anybody listening it is n it is n-u-t-r-l is how you spell neutral definitely check them out check out their social too and you know drop us a comment i want to know 
Kyle wants to know, and the distribution company, I'm sure, would love to know how AB is ham- handling their new baby neutral product. Yeah. Um, you know, don't stay neutral with the comments either. No pun, inten- <laughs> pun intended. Pun intended. Um, do you think, like, have you checked out their social at all? Are they are they quite active on it? Because it, it looks like a hip. Yeah, they got a great design <clears throat> of of the brands. Is, is the uh, so the U? There's two dots above it. Is Umlau. that like a? It's a what? Umlaut. Would you call me? Umlaut. That, that's what those two dots are. Dankeschön. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say, oh, because it looks like a smiley face. Right. Is that an? What? No, it's 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 to me more like the U to the instead U. of instead of neutral. It's new. The two dots Im- imply the uh sound. Uh, okay. Uh. <laughs> you never took German, did you? Nah, no, that's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I haven't. I probably should because it's such a great language. It's that and Russian, too. Like, I've yeah. had people that came into the bar that are fluent wow. and they just start talking, and I'm like, oh my God, I gotta, gotta learn something. I gotta go in the back for 10 minutes <laughs> and uh, just kind of breathe. I mean, it is called Wolf's Beer Garden. Right. You might want to know a couple phrases. Do you have, do you, so going with wolves, a uh, mm-hmm. little side tangent again. Do you have a favorite animal? Favorite animal? Uh, sloth. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, really. Really? You like really? sloths? Sloths. I love that. Yeah. Not a wolf. Not a <laughs> Yeah, you're happy to kiss ass. <laughs> Big shout out to Dave Sad. <laughs> favorite animal. Um, so yeah, so neutral. You haven't gone on their website or uh, on their social platforms yet. I've been on the them. website, but I've not uh, engaged. I haven't either. I mean, I'm really excited. Um they're so new, but I think they have a lot of potential. Absolutely. Uh, and I like that their two styles are within the cranberry and the lemonade realm. Absolutely. Uh, I think that the last time we saw the lemonade realm, it really, it's really dominated with Truly. Yeah, Truly or I'm trying to think of another like liquor-based brand, uh, like a Fisher's Island. Is Truly liquor? Like, Truly's not liquor-based, though. That's no, malt-based. It's malt-based. So, like, yeah. so in New York State, they can sell it in, in grocery stores. And, right. Yeah. And then the cranberry we really haven't seen at all. So I think that these no. are two areas within that vodka seltzer. I mean, what's more classic than a vodka cranberry? <laughs> a cran apple. Oh, wait, you have that. Oh, wait, I have that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to do more tastings for that. Yes. With more events that we have going on coming up in the future. Absolutely. Um, and... Yeah, to ra- so so to wrap things up, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, first off, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. You know, thanks I for was, the invite. Yeah, you know, I was really excited about this. I'm glad. You know, I had to do a taste. If everybody listening, I had to do a fucking tasting for Kyle <laughs> before he agreed to be on the goddamn show. <laughs> Lies and deceit. Um, but anyway, that being said, would um we like to end the show with a little Q and A lightning round overrated underrated as he just chucking his beer for this one because you know it's going to go it was, deep. It was getting warm. I didn't, you know. I think that the camera just died on the batter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did like, it die? He's like, oh, I don't have a video anymore. I'm <laughs> chucking this thing right now. Uh, so let's get um, let's get started with the overrated, underrated, overrated Q&A. Underrated. All right, I got it. Uh, so I would say, <clears> okay, <throat> um, overrated or underrated? Um, brunch. Underrated around here. Underrated around here. What about bottomless mimosas? Also underrated. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? Why not? That, that's what I'm I saying. I mean, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the Does morning. Does anyone have bottomless mimosas around here? Uh, not that I know of. You can't drink all day. I think I saw a meme for that <laughs> <laughs> the other day, ironically. What about um, what about beer cocktails, like beer mimosas or your... your um, 
what it, the, or like the Slav. I think I think those are underrated. You think those are underrated? Yeah. Okay. How but, about juicy sour IPAs? Oh, you're gonna kill me, but I think they're overrated. You think that they're overrated? Yeah. There's a flood in the market, huh? There's it, the, there there are Why those. Why would I kill you? What, well, maybe Southern Tier will kill you. <laughs> right. Well, they don't. I don't think they make a juicy southern or um, a juicy sour. A juicy sour IPA? Oh no, they haven't. No, it's just okay. a juicy hazy. Yeah, juicy hazy. Different, different, but different sour question. IPAs is another category. I think there are some producers, brewers that do them very well, and okay. I think there are some that that don't. All right, how about um, how about eight ounce or like how about size of a wine glass? Okay, like let's say the pour, regardless, is going to be eight ounces. Sure, that's you a got, heavy pour. And you is it? Okay, yeah. so we so yeah, we don't do that. But, um, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> let's say that the pour is going to be six ounce. Yeah, six. Okay, six ounces, <laughs> and we have an eight ounce size wine glass, yes. or we have a twelve. So. Um, like how is what like you know I know you're, you like to you're do gonna stir, want like to if you're doing a six ounce pour you're gonna want like a at least a twelve otherwise it's just gonna look like a shoddy pour so if you do six and an eighth you're gonna mean, be like what's a shoddy pour like a, a less than you know like uh, it's not a brimmer of wine okay so if you have an eight ounce glass and you only fill it up to six right there's like two inches they're like whoa is this is this it. Oh, they're like Whether, they're expecting like, all right, why yeah. aren't we just going the other two inches? So if you go two inches can be a lot. If you add two inches <laughs> All right, anyway. So <laughs> thank God the video <laughs> Okay, but, so so but if you have a twelve ounce and you're doing a, a twelve six ounce or pour, fourteen ounce you've got that enough that enough room to do give a swirl. I mean, it also goes hand in hand with the quality of why the wine. Why do you want to give a swirl to wine? Uh aerate it. Okay. Why Adding, don't you just use an aerator? Well you can. Okay. But not everyone's got an aerator in their pocket like and or whatever. Well, you know. You I, don't use one, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not using it. <laughs> I so don't adding, don't adding oxygen it. to the wine is what's going to open it up, and it's okay. gonna, you're going to get more flavor out of it. You're going to get more aromas out of it. Got it. Um, what about tiered tiered spirits, tiered liquor? Like you've got your top shelf, medium shelf, bottom shelf. I think. Uh, from a bar standpoint. From, from a bar standpoint, I think, I think that's going to be becoming a thing of the past. So, so I'll go overrated. Overrated on that overrated one? because okay. I think I mean they're like we talked about the restaurant industry, the f- hospitality industry is such a big industry. There's so many different subsets. Yeah. I think there are going to be those bars that'll always have a you know quote unquote well option. Right, like right, like Al's big shout out Al's Whiskey Bar and Lounge. They've got a massive, a massive, selection. massive amount of selection of liquor. Right, exactly, and that's I don't think they that's literally have a wall the size of the bar, the length of the bar of yes. liquor of just straight different styles of liquor. Yes, so I but and I those th- guys are so fucking knowledgeable. Oh, absolutely, they said that they would be on the show at some point. Jamie, great. yeah, uh, and um, Ryan. Oh, nice. Uh, Jamie and Ryan, yeah. That's awesome, Jamie. Those guys are great. Yeah, they Fant- were in here the other day. Fantastic. They dudes. got them hammered. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> they go, they go, it was pretty hard to work, wake up the next day. I'm like, God damn right it was. Every time I come into your bar, you don't repay the favor. They go, and then I went there yesterday and I was like, oh, oh okay, fine. I got to wake up tomorrow morning. I got to leave. <laughs> That's also one thing about the kind of a tangent here uh, about the restaurant industry is, is taking care of your own. Uh, that's right. That's one thing where when like that's what I love about this podcast is that you're really getting everyone in town, um, you know, together or trying yeah. to get everyone in together, trying to get these relationships formed because then you're going to go out and they're going to go out and, it and, build, I, and it, you're I, yeah, building the so community. Wanna, right. That's exactly what I want to do with the podcast. And it's not about the three drinks. That's that's, that's no, no, that's it's the not. Best but part. it's about like 
building that community out. And I, I think that there's a huge upside potential and opportunity for that here, especially because we're not a massive city. We're not a massive city. And we have an even smaller geographical area of where the the worthwhile spots that you can go to for a night out yep. are. Yep. So and most of the time, those spots are owned or those people work at the same. Now we're starting to see crossover. They work at the Myers Creek Inner Harbor, Correct. but they also work at a pizza. Right. Big shout out to a pizza. I love their pizza, by the way. If you live in the downtown Syracuse area, you should 100%. Oh come on! Wood fired pizzas, oh one so of my good. favorite things, and so was, those guys crush it. But they yeah, absolutely so, crush like, it. That's one thing that I love about the industry too is that you know it, uh, we are all very content with the amount of abundance of customers mm -hmm. that are here. And I, you know, my hope is that the podcast just eventually becomes something that everybody can have fun with, benefit off of, and then maybe if I'm lucky you know, provide some kind of value, definitely entertainment, but some <laughs> kind of value to, uh, sure. to listeners. It, it getting to know one another and creating that community so that when you guys go out and everyone, you know, because everyone's off around the same days, you know, that yeah. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday-ish, mm -hmm. get into there and be like, hey, how are you doing? It's, 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 it's taking care of one another. It's like, hey, you had a hard week. I've had a hard week. I know what it's like. Yeah, like You're listen. out having a good time. Let me get you a drink. Let right. me send you an app. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, because it just builds the community. And from there... I mean, you're only going up. God, what a tangent. I'm sorry. No, that was good. No, I'm usually <laughs> the only one that ends up doing those. Um, overrated, under, back to the overrated, underrated. Yes. So over, <laughs> overrated, uh, underrated. Coasters on a bar. Um, underrated. Uh, you know, I'd say the same thing. I'm a big coaster guy. I don't like, cause, you know. Yeah, the condensation. Yeah. Stuff. Okay, what about, um, all right, here's one. What about blue cheese stuffed olives? They have a place. Properly rated, properly for rated. Their, for, they have for their a place. place. Okay. They have a place. Um, and if you don't, okay, overrated. Asking for them if you don't see them on the menu. <laughs> I always ask for them because I love blue cheese. <laughs> so if you don't see them on the menu, you're I'm like, dead. do you have blue cheese? Do you have crumbly blue cheese? Yeah. yeah. Do you do you have olives? Yeah. Well, then go in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, bring them out here. I don't mind. I'll fuck. <laughs> I'll, I'll, stuff, stu I'll stuff my own. <laughs> stuff your own olive. Is that yeah. a euphemism for something? <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Overrated, um, underrated. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the euphemism. <laughs> and then that other word that I'm not going to say again. Yeah, we should. Um, all right, overrated, underrated uh, samplings. Um, underrated. Underrated? Underrated. I, I definitely would agree. Underrated. They, you know, getting that stuff out, getting those new things out in people's what, hands. Okay, what about holiday bonuses? Holiday bonuses yeah. are never under overrated. <laughs> Those are the most underrated <laughs> for anybody that might be <laughs> <laughs> <if you're> listening. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you very much for being on the show. I think this was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast. Hopefully, everyone wants to listen. And uh, uh, yeah, I think it's going really well. I think that this was a lot. Uh, yeah, this was a good time. Good. Did you have, Did you have fun? I I drank a beer and I got to talk to a good guy. So what, are you, what could be worse? Uh, are you going to be part of the roundtable discussion eventually when we start doing those? I mean, if I'm invited, I'll definitely make time. We will definitely um, get your invitation off to the mail. No, we will definitely <laughs> invite you. On I mean, that. you're going to have a ton of people by then. Maybe I've fallen down the total pole where you're like, you know what? That was the worst pod we ever ever recorded. There's no totem pole. <laughs> there's totally a total. There's a hierarchy. Now. Oh, there's such a hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Zach is asking me every day, who's got more episode listens to? <laughs> oh no. Um. That being said, thank all of you guys listening for the support. We really, really, really appreciate it. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, please subscribe 
and write a review. It really means a lot to the channel. And stay tuned next week for episode nine, where we will be bringing on the seltzer review king, Nate Dog himself, uh, bartending Tuesday and Saturday nights, typically, in case anybody wants to drop in and see Nate Dog. He's going to be on the show, episode nine. Appreciate all of you, and I will talk to you then.